to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we gather today. And I pay my respects to their elders, past and present. I extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples here today. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Inspired by Yarra. This is a podcast created to enhance, connect and inspire the Yarra Valley Grammar community and beyond. So however you may have come across this conversation, wherever you might be listening from today, I want to thank you for tuning in. Today, I'm delighted to sit down with Anthony Bassford from the class of 1985 and we'll track his journey, his adventure, his learnings, his understandings, his approach to life and challenge. Anthony Bassford from the class of 1985 is currently the CEO of East Gippsland and we are going to chat a little bit about the most recent challenges, some severe bushfires, followed by COVID, and the weather warnings right now are to brace themselves, the locals down there in East Gippsland, to brace themselves for flooding. It is an environment, a slice of Victoria that is both beautiful and daunting in terms of the natural beauty, but also the potential for devastation. It's a powerful conversation and we're going to learn a lot. I hope you enjoy this conversation. We're going to begin by asking a little bit about where he is in the world right now and what's going on around him. So I'm uh, coming to you from uh, Bansdale in uh, the far east of Victoria, East Gippsland. And I think uh, most people know where East Gippsland is now. You're quite right. It uh, did escalate into uh, prominence just recently, and I'm very keen to talk about that. But for those uh, who may not have caught up with the news over summer, give us a quick snapshot of what you experienced over this summer of 2019-2020. So this summer has been an unprecedented disaster event, um, commonly known as the, um, the Black Summer Fires, that uh, burnt for a significant num- number of uh, months, uh, destroying something in the vicinity of 250 homes, burning out approximately a million ac- million hectares uh, of, uh, of land um, and uh, displacing a significant number of people over the summer period. So this was on the back of three and a half years of drought so an incredibly dry environment that we then had a weather event through uh, lightning strikes that started the fires here and uh, around uh, around Victoria, and then and then what happened was it joined with fires that had been going in New South Wales, uh, as people would know. So we had this uh, mega fire across the whole southeast and part of Australia. I know we talked about the idea that we're going to come back to school and your experience at Yarra in a moment, and we will, but I'm here with you right now. I've got goosebumps because I remember where I was Christmas Day. I remember where I was 1st of January. I remember where I was when the smoke came through, and I was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kilometres away from where you are right in the thick of it. So... While we're talking about bushfire and and the unprecedented disaster that you speak of, let's stay there a little bit longer. Can I just check you and your family safe and well? Yes, we are, and we were at the time. Um, my family did get evacuated at one point, um, which was quite an uh, uh, quite an unusual feeling and circumstance. It's not the sort of thing you do very regularly to, to wave your family off and they drive off down the highway to another town to, uh, to be safe. But we were lucky. We mm. were lucky. We were one of the lucky ones. Um, certainly a number of people in our community have suffered dearly from this fire. Um, it was an incredible event. It burned for, for days and weeks and months, as I, as I mentioned. And I vividly remember standing um, on the on the, I guess it's the banks if you like, but it's sort of like the uh, um, a high point next to the Mitchell River that flows through Bansdale in an evening 
and the whole sky was red. It, it was an extraordinary thing to see and to um, to be part of. Like as far as you could see on the horizon was a glowing red, and it was uh, quite amazing. And and that was the fire burning throughout the Shire, uh, and and uh, taking many houses uh, and assets with it. It's quite uh, vivid in my memory of hearing reports and, and watching the news and seeing those images, but you were there seeing it live and feeling the heat of the day just because it was summer. Mm. But I recall around the Black Saturday bushfires, which were closer to Melbourne, but I remember speaking to people after that, and that's 10, 10 years ago, yeah. I remember people talking about the noise, the sound of the fire. Is that is that something that resonates for you? Is that something that you experienced? It's not something I experienced, but it's certainly a story that is uh, talked about by lots of people that um, were in the fire zone. Um, right. They talk about just this sounding like a train coming, um, the, the, the noise, the, the sheer um, uh, volume that is... Um, that is created as the fire burns through um, the bush. And I've had, you know, I've spoken to a number of, of well-seasoned CFA volunteers and community members who said they've never seen anything like it. When you've got people like that who, who say that, um, it's, uh, it's a scary thing. And, you know, a lot of people made that decision to, to stay and fight the fire um, you know, we make that decision in Victoria, uh, whether you're going to stay or leave and leave early. A lot of people decided to stay or they couldn't go because they had farms or they have animals to look after or whatever it might be. Um, and just when it, you know, one in particular, a, a fella I spoke with at Can River said he'd never seen anything like it when it came over the hill towards the towards that township. Unfortunately, that township was was not impacted directly, um, but all around it was, and he said he'd never seen anything like it. I, I know that Can River town really, really well, having spent numbers of years working in and around Mallacoota, and and Can River for me on the drive to toward Mallacoota was really the last stop for for yeah. guaranteed fuel, yeah. and um, and and. Just thinking back to the the thick forest, the beautiful thick forest that is around. And as you say, the the I mean, there's the 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 fuel that is there in those forests for for hectare after hectare after hectare, kilometres after, is just I, I guess maybe is it a disaster waiting to happen? You get the right conditions, or as they turn out, the wrong conditions, an extreme weather scenario, the lightning that that comes and it's just crisp and ready and waiting for that fire. Now, fire is actually part of the regeneration and regrowth of a forest like that is what's the forest looking like now like what if as you go for a drive around your shire now what do you see is there is it greening up again yet or not like what's it look like now look that that's it's a really interesting question because it very soon after the fires we had we had rain um and so a lot of a lot of the um, which was fantastic after drought, after three and a half years of drought. So a lot of paddocks that had been singed and burnt greened up very quickly. So we had this this real uh, issue of green paddocks but black burnt trees. And now the trees are coming back. They, they come back amazingly quickly. The epicormal growth um, comes out of, the, um, out of the, the trunks of the trees so you've got lots of growth happening, and that and that is um, very visible, particularly east of um, Can River. Interestingly, during the fire event, I was fortunate enough to be able to go up in a helicopter, and uh, in fact, it was from um, it was in that sort of Can River area, and mm. there, there's this sense when you see the news bulletins and you see the. Um, and the reports in the paper and online, you get this sense of just total and utter destruction. And in actual fact, it's a real mosaic. When you're up in the air and you look down, it's a real mosaic. There are areas that are scorched black, 
like to a crisp. In fact, they're so black that, you know, they go white with the, there's just nothing left um, because it's burnt so hot. Then you get these areas where it's singed and you and the tops of the trees are burnt. Then you get other areas where it's clearly just um, burnt the undergrowth. And then there's other areas which were still green in some of the gullies. So you get this amazing patchwork uh, effect uh, when, you, when you're looking at it from up in the air. And driving all the way out to, say, Orbost, there's a few spots along the highway where it crossed the highway, Sarsfield being one of those which was devastated. But places like Orbost, you'd hardly even know there'd been a fire because it's actually up in the hills away from, from the actual town. But as soon as you get out into the more uh, rural areas, I guess, away from the townships, you start to see it. And, um, look, the trees are, are recovering. We've had good rain this year, so that's really helped. Uh, in fact, good rain to the point of which uh, the Bureau is now saying that there's a high likelihood of flooding. So, um, you know, it's just, if it's not one thing, it's another in East Gippsland. But, you know, what a wonderful place it is still and fantastic people here. So, yeah, they For just sure. get on with it. I, I'm interested to to pursue that line of thinking a little further because you in your role and for those of our listeners who don't know Anthony Bassford from the class of 1985 um, you're the CEO of East Gippsland and I'm curious in a moment to find out what that means and what that what sure. that entails and, and, and sort of your day to day but as the CEO part I imagine is for you to have a fairly a good sense of the wider community and the people within your community You've spoken there about the, the forest and the bushland, the nature starting to fight back and come back and albeit maybe too much rain, and but we've got some greenery coming back and that's healthy and that's a sign of hope and a sign of restoration with some time to come. What about the people? How are your people doing in the midst of all this? Yeah, look, it's a really good question. And um, as I said before, the um, people in East Gippsland are incredibly resilient. They're uh, an amazing, amazing community. In fact, multiple communities, like any area. There's, it's not one community. There's lots of them. I think one of the things that potentially gets lost um, about this fire event is that it actually started in mid-November. So the communities here were on alert from, well, they were on alert from September. The, um, the fire restrictions were in very early and there were little spot fires, but really the actual event started in November and didn't get extinguished until I think it was middle of March. Um, so the community have had months and months of, um, of trying to cope with uh, alerts, evacuations, get ready orders, um, just to being at heightened level of anxiety and of, uh, of, you know, of awareness about what's going on. So the communities have been, um, they were really impacted. The, the Princess Highway was closed for over a month, 40-odd days. So people were isolated uh, in terms of places like Can River and Malakuta you couldn't get to, mm. um, plus places, uh, you know, Bonang and Goongara, which are uh, to our north from Bansdale, um, and Omea, you couldn't get to. The roads were closed, communications were down, although they got up pretty quickly, which was good. So the people have been through a lot. Mm. And it, you're right, as my, my role, one of my roles uh, as a CEO is to oversee the, the, recovery, um, the recovery activities. Um, that's sort of changing a bit this year because we've got Bushfire Recovery Victoria now coming into the mix. But um, local government has a really significant role in terms of relief and recovery and supporting communities to, um, to, I guess, to renew and rebuild after an event like this. So local governments look after planning. They look after community support and health and well-being. Um, you know, they look after roads. They look after parks and reserves, a whole raft of, and range of things. All those things we've been working to get back online and open up and allow our services to start. And they have been. Uh, COVID has kind of created a, another interesting twist to it, um, but, uh, you know, we're all kind of struggling with that one. But the, the, the people here are incredibly resilient. There's a, there's a story of uh, uh, Buchan was another area that was hit really, really hard, and that went right into town. Um, there, there's, um, there's stories here of, of farms that have been hit three years in a row with fires. 
And you kind of just think, why? Why would you continue to do it? But they're so resilient. They're committed. They love where they live. And it's part of the, where we live. And, and I think it's always important that um, you put those things in context when you make a judgment about, you know, about a place and why would people live there or, or why would people stay in those circumstances um, because, you know, that was one day or one week or one month out of the 12 months a year where it's, this place is just, you know, fabulous. Mm, yeah. It's, it's an extraordinary experience for the people. And as you say, it's part of almost part of what you sign up for when you move into the beauty of an area like that with the farmland and the forest and, you know, the, the, the ocean just there as well. And there's so many beautiful parts to, to East Gippsland. And it's almost a case of you take the good with the bad, do you, in terms of this, the, the natural environment is going to push back some of the time. Like in the case of, you know, and I, I read something as well about the one of the locals in Bucken, you know, four, four fires, four significant fires in five years. And, and you're right, you go, wow, like, is there another option? Could you, you know, but I guess it's, it's family history, it's, it's reputation, it's, but it's also a lifestyle that people choose because they love it. It's those connections, connections to community. And, you know, we, you started at, at, um, at the start of this um, interview about talking about, you know, connections within Yarra. You know, it's the same as the connections within, these, within the communities. And it's the communities of interest or communities of localities. Um, people do love living here. Um, they do love the lifestyle. And it is about actually understanding where you live. So it's about acknowledging that there are risks to living here and then how do you work uh, through those risks? How do you mitigate those risks to make sure that you and your family and your community is safe? And that's what people do. And, you know, there's high levels of volunteerism through the CFA and SES and and other groups and land care and so on. Um, And so people make that commitment to their community and they then are able to determine how they manage those risks I guess within all that, um, we were incredibly fortunate to have the, the such few deaths that we did have. No death is a good death in these circumstances, um, but it could have been a whole lot worse. And I think that goes down to the fact that there was a whole lot of effort put in by people to make sure that this this event was uh, contained and people were protected. Now, I, I re- recall vividly in February of 2020, we made contact with yourself and some other yogs who are down in your area. And we were putting some plans together to see what we could do as a school community to come and to help to to either resource, to do some fundraising, to to come down and, and, uh, and I don't know, bring a group of students down and, and spend some money in the local shops and so on and so forth. Now, that didn't end up happening because, as you mentioned, COVID came in and went whack. People of Melbourne, uh, we're experiencing our own uh, experience of this current challenge and difficulty, but I think there's still a deep sense of wanting to help rural and regional Victoria. What are some things that would be or are useful or helpful for you and your community right now? Because at the moment we can't come and visit because that was our plan. You know, as a, as a family, we were going to not go to wherever we were used to be planning to go on holidays. We were heading down your way and we were going to come camping and we were going to bring, you know, the, the old notion of come with an empty esky and yeah. use the local shops and all of that. We, we were right into that and then we didn't. We couldn't. What would be helpful right now? We're... You know, you mentioned earlier that September of last year was when your your community went on high alert for bushfires and then months and months and months of pretty extreme conditions. We're recording this in September, 12 months down the track. Um, are your people on high alert now, although they're high alert for flooding, not for bushfires? But what can we do? What can the people of uh, metropolitan Victoria do to support our regional friends and family? So, look, there's a few things in that. I think it's worth acknowledging um, in the first instance the incredible support that was received, the spontaneous volunteerism, the, the, the level of donations, 
the the um, you know the assistance that was provided during and post the event. I think it was a it was in March. Must have been a must have been the Labor Day weekend. I think it was probably we just snuck it in before lockdown from memory. Um, and that's one of the things with these emergency events. Your your um, your spatial remembery, remembrance of time just is, is distorted uh, of when it when actually things happened. But um, I'm pretty sure it was um, uh, the uh, Labor Day long weekend. And and exactly what you described, we were inundated with people who bought the empty eskies, who went out and supported the events. The place was humming, and it, you know it really was fantastic to see. So that support was there. And as I say, there was lots and lots of donations that came through. In fact, to a point where there was actually too much, which I know sounds a bit contradictory, but it was actually almost a problem in its own right trying to manage mm. the levels of donations. But look, at the, at the heart of it, people were trying to do the right thing. They wanted to help. So what can people do now? Um, well, from a COVID perspective, they, they need to just... Make sure they're well. Um, but from a, from, you know, from a recovery perspective, when we do get back to whatever the COVID normal looks like, um, East Gippsland is ready and waiting and open for business. So, you know, the, the tourism operators, the accommodation providers, um, very keen to see people come back. And people who perhaps haven't been here before who, who want to come and have a look and you can go for a drive and actually see trees um re you know re being reinvigorated and, and growing regrowing and there are so many places and i think the other thing is there are lots of places that were still um are still accessible places that weren't burnt that you can still go to as well so um you know that visiting is a is is a great thing there's a um there's a foundation called the gippsland emergency reliefs relief fund uh, girth um, and they only operate on volunt- uh, by they've operated by volunteers, and they provide um, they provide grants to people. They raised something in the order of about eight million dollars, and that went out the door. So I think for people that did donate, they need to know that that money hit the ground. It really did. It went in in, in small packages, three and a half to four thousand dollars, to help people in the in the direct aftermath of these fires. Whether it be, if you can imagine just suddenly not having anything apart from what's on your back, it, it's quite an extraordinary kind of thing to think through. Um, you know, you might not even have a simple thing like a charger or, or, your, or for your phone or, or, or another pair of shoes if you were in, you know, one pair and you need a pair of boots or whatever. So, you know, that money went out there to allow people to go and get clothes be able to buy food, find what they, you know, accommodation or bits and bobs that they needed. So it really did help. And, um, you know, my thanks and I know the community and our, and, our, and our elected representatives have thanked people before, but it was extraordinary, the, the, the amounts that stuff people gave. We're speaking with Anthony Basford from the class of 1985 and, and we've just, in a sense, relived the summer of, 2019-2020 and the natural devastation to the environment, the pain that families and locals have been through and, and why they might show up again. And then, Anthony, you've been generous in your acknowledgement of the wider community on and generosity and volunteers and support, and that's all very appropriate and, and really appreciated. I wonder if you can tell me and tell our listeners what was it about your time at Yarra that prepared you for the summer you've just experienced? You're right, that is a good question. <laughs> it's a loaded question. I appreciate that. We now we could tiptoe our way around it. Oh, we no. could find out a little bit more about um, you know, when you started at Yarra and what your favourite subjects were, and we will do that. But was, do, you, do you think there was something about your experience, your time at Yarra, that prepared you to be a leader in a community that is has been devastated and then have been really the focus and centre of attention and then actually that 
that focus has left you again because people are dealing with their own stuff and and kind of COVID has changed the whole world. And, and all of a sudden, I fear that maybe East Gippsland and other areas have have almost been forgotten in the midst of it all. How, how does one prepare for Look, the role that you to, have? To, to answer your question, I think um, being a leader is a, is a journey. And I, I know that sounds sounds a bit corny, but it's actually true. We are a collection of our experiences over time. And those experiences, including my experience at Yarra, is about how I am and what I do now. So, you know, I've, I've been thinking about this when we booked this interview in. I've been thinking about, well, you know what, you know, how, how does this all fit into the, the puzzle? And one of the things that I think is really important for me was at Yarra that I got lots of different experiences. And ironically, um, I was looking back, and I've got reports and all sorts of things still, so it's, it was quite a trip down memory lane, actually. But I did my, I did my, um, I did my work experience with the Forest Commission <laughs> in the Dandenongs. Um, so, you know, who'd been hit by um, Ash Wednesday. Um, so... You know, I think as a leader, as, as a person in charge of the, the Shire Council now uh, from the organisation perspective, um, where I stand now is that collection of all those experiences and Yarra being one of those experiences. And as, as I said, I think that the things that I did and, and, and one of the things that I was, I was going to talk about and it might be a segue to it is, you know, in terms of one of the, the, the areas that I really enjoyed was the camps um, you know, we went to the Grampians and um, I think it was Glen Maggie. Mm, I, yep, I, I don't know if they still go there, but um, and uh, you know, there was a there was a teacher, Mister Sampson or, or Jim Sampson, who I, I think might have passed away now, actually. But um, you know, he was a geography teacher, and I loved all that. So you know, I think all those things um, just all build the character for what you then become. And and I've been really fortunate, really, really fortunate to just have people that throughout my career have provided opportunities. And, of course, you know, you, you've got to be in the right place at the right time sometimes, but um, I've had opportunities that have ultimately led me to here. I sometimes wonder how I ended up here. I think we all do that at times, you know, sort of reflect on, well, I started at A and I'm at and I'm wherever I am now, but I, geez, I didn't go in or it didn't go consecutive order, you know. So um, yeah, that's how I would say you get ready. You, you, there's not one particular thing. I don't think you can go and do the, uh, you know, a, a, a course and be and be be ready. I think it's about that collective collection of things that you do and the life experiences. And hopefully, yeah. um, I've been able to um, provide that leadership that the organisation has needed through this time. It's been. Um, it been incredibly. Uh, it, it, I've been incredibly proud with my organisation about what they've been able to achieve. Um, and prior to this last year, we actually went through an organisational restructure as well. So you know the 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 wear and tear, if you like, on the organisation has been immense over the last eighteen months. But um, gee, they've stepped up and done a great job. That's terrific. And and look, I I love it that you as a leader of that organisation, which which supports hundreds of thousands of people actually and serves them, seeks to serve them, uh, it, it seems to me that you are very good at acknowledging the team that you have around you and and the, the unity that you are part of. And I think that that's, that's a credit to you as the leader of that organisation and of those people. I'm curious, though, in your uh, recent recollections as you were thumbing through some old report cards, were there any things there that you go... Oh, hang on. I was ripped off. That's not fair. That was not right. I was better than that. Was it a happy journey through your reports or was it something that you were happy to put away again? No, it was great. It was great. (laughs) I was sharing it with my wife um, and, uh, you know, we were just having a great laugh about it, Um, some of the comments in the reports and and things like that because these are all, you know, this is all back when it was handwritten. Um, So, you know, you could barely read it but... uh, you know, it was it was great, and I, there was a couple of things there. I thought, oh my goodness, that could apply now, thirty five years later. Right, <laughs> so, right. It, 
You it's know, a beautiful really thing, good. isn't it, that, that maybe your teachers really do know their students, don't they? And, uh, yeah. and as you say, if some of those character traits, some of those um, characteristics of you as a young man are perhaps still evident today, uh, it, it says that there's something in us that, uh, that is going to be who we are. Even with all of life's experiences and, and all of the adventures that we're on, there's still something at our core that makes us unique and individual. And, and yeah, it might change and adjust a little bit, but ultimately we are who we are and, and we just become, hopefully, bigger and better versions of ourselves. Yep. Talking about your academic pursuits, was there a particular... Uh, area of the school from an academic point of view that we might find you more happily being in those classes you know were you up in the art area were you in the in drama were you maybe in the maths building more often than not would you find you in the library studying hard where would we find you around Yarra you probably wouldn't find me in the maths building (laughs) but um um, like I said before the um you know the outdoor pursuits was something that I really enjoyed um so, you know, the geography, humanities, uh, that was an area of, of, real, of something that I really enjoyed. Um, I did that right through until um, HSC as it was then. Um, and uh, so they, they were the areas. Um, I, did, um, I did do music for a while. So I was in the school band. I played the clarinet. Um, I've still got that kicking around somewhere, but uh, it doesn't sound very good, I don't think, anymore. But... Uh, yeah, so no, that probably those would be the areas that uh, that that I was sort of uh, interested in. What are some of the the locations on the school property as you remember it? I don't know how long it's been since you've ba- been back here, but but certainly over the last say ten years, there's been a lot of change and adjustment and and improvement and yeah. growth, etc., around the school, and and it's. It's, it's a wonderful place to be. But uh, was there a special place on the property, whether it was out on the sports fields? Was it um, – did you tend to go down in the bush back in those days? Oh, you weren't allowed. That was out no, of bounds. No, you're still not. Still <laughs> oh, not. really? <laughs> um, look, I, I don't think there was anywhere in particular. Um, and, of course, because I started in grade five, so we were in the – what was it called then? The junior school, I think. Junior or middle school? Sorry, I'm not sure now. But um, so started in grade five. So that five, six and, and uh, year seven group sort of, there was an area that was sort of yours. So, and then as you moved up parts of the school, you sort of, there were different parts of the school that were um, were yours. So no, I don't think I had, had any one particular area that uh, w- that w- I would say was a, a particular haunt. Um the, uh, the school was going through, even at that time, was going through development. I remember I, that there was a new, what I think was a year 12 maths wing built at that time. It's probably been demolished and rebuilt since, but um, and there was a science wing built at the time. So there was lots of development still going even then when I was going through the school. They, they always had a, a vision of where they wanted the school to go, which, was, uh, which I reckon is great. You've spoken to us about the spirit of the people down in East Gippsland. Mm. I wonder if you can recall the Yarra spirit. Is that something that resonates for you? Is that something that you could put some words around? What does it mean to have the Yarra spirit? I think um, I think what it and what it means for me was it was just that when I was there, it was that connection to that community. Um, it was about how we interacted with our, you know, with our classmates and our colleagues um, and, uh, you know, with our teachers. And, and as I said before, in those particular collectives, if you like, so the, the, the middle school there and then into the, into the senior school and so on. So for me, that, that, that spirit was about, you know, getting an opportunity to do lots of things. The school was always, I found, always um, great at providing those opportunities, whether it be language, you know, I distinctly remember, you know, woodwork and uh, metalwork, um, you know, and making the rings and you know all those little things that you you, you did. Um, they were they were all great as sort of uh, you know building those those experiences that you had. So for me, that the spirit is actually about um, how you come together, and and I always found that that uh, you know that was good. 
that's not to say as a teenager you didn't off you know you didn't sometimes have um, uh, altercations with, with with different people, but you know it, it's broadly speaking everyone was there for the for the right reasons. For sure, I wonder whether you you know this this podcast is called the Inspired by Yarra podcast, mm. and I wonder if there was an event, a class, a person, a um, maybe a, a particular project or assignment that that inspired you. Was there something about your experience that that brought the best out of you? Like I said before, there was um, there was uh, Jim Sampson who who did the geography. He was someone that I really um, looked up to and had a lot of time for. Um, in fact, I went on and um, after school and, and went into what was then called the Melbourne College of Advanced Education, I think. Uh, into a four-year degree, which was around environmental science, which was really inspired by the, the stuff I'd done um, through the school around environmental work um, uh, and, and geography and humanities. So that was, you know, that was something that uh, um, is really memorable for me. I've also, um, there was another event that we, or no, it was an event, um, we went to Central Australia. I don't, I don't know what they did. Do they still do a Central Australia trip in, in Year 10? No, no. Uh, yeah. Well, that was awesome. It was just a, an amazing trip. Um, a bus all the way there and back. Um, and um, it was just fabulous. And um, I think it was um, uh, Dave Musker, I think it was, who was, the, who was the lead teacher in there. And he was also my graphics, graphic communications teacher at the time. And, you know, we... we Dare I say it? You know, we went up to to Uluru. We actually walked. We did the walk as you did in the day. Um, not something I would do now. In fact, most recently when I was there, I didn't do it. Um, but uh, you know, just this fabulous, fabulous trip with um, with other with other students, and it was just a, it was a really really good fun. And um, we tented it um, as you know, camped along the way. Um, there was floods at Lake Eyre. There was flowers out on the, on the, on the Birdsville track. You know, it was just an amazing trip. So, you know, something that I still dearly remember. And I'm sure that people listening to this, whether they are from your generation, which is also my generation, because I remember not from Yarra, but doing our Central Australia trip and the bus and the climbing the rock as we did back then. And I agree, wouldn't now, but and and it was such a an amazing time away with your mates and and you you made new mates and uh, it was just a, a terrific experience and as you say you know setting up that tent village every night and moving on to it just great memories and i think camps and big excursions like that really do hold our our memory and and lots of positive recollections and and reflections along the way so thank you for sharing that and and i hope that Everyone listening is thinking back even right now to a particular trip or a particular camp. Sometimes it might be a particular place that you got to visit um, from your memory, from your childhood that, uh, as you can see, some, what are we going to say? I'm going to say it, 35 years down the track, you still remember very, very clearly. Anthony, thank you. I appreciate you taking us down that, uh, that little track for a moment or two. Yeah, no worries. I wonder if uh, we might slip into something that I call uh, the lightning round or the quick fire round where yeah. I'm going to throw a whole bunch of little questions at you and, sure. and they might have a little less story to them but they might be just something that springs to mind fairly quickly. Are you ready? Yep. Buckle in. Righto. What house were you in when you were at Yarra? Plumber. And were plumber any good back in your day? Of course, they were the best. <laughs> I'm not sure, Paul. <laughs> uh, you mentioned before that uh, that perhaps you you had a go at playing music. Was there a, a a musical or a drama or a performance that you remember? Either you were on the stage or you were in the audience. That that you know, even all these years down the track, that that resonates for you. Um, no, no, not specifically, although we did do a lot of performances at assemblies and various other places, but it did inspire me to, uh, later in life to, to join a band and, um, I didn't play clarinet, but, um, you know, we, we had a good time for a couple of years just doing that bit of a garage band. So yeah, that was good fun. Excellent. 
tell me about how you used to travel to school. What was where was home, and how did you get to school? So we lived uh, at Wander North. So we used to catch a Martyrs bus, um, which was about I don't know forty minutes or forty five minutes or something like that. So yeah, the daily trip walk down to, walk down to the end of the road and catch it along Warburton Highway. I reckon that bus still does the same trip. I think it probably does. <laughs> Can you remember who were the school captains back in your day? No, you got me there. Not, don't know. Don't know. If I mention a couple of names to you, would that help? That might. Uh, Nicky Lever and Andrew McClintock. Oh, yeah. I remember Andrew. Okay. Yeah. Tell me, what were your experiences of leadership? Maybe other student leadership, your own leadership? Did you have leadership opportunities on your journey? Um. Scouting was something that I was heavily involved in. So, um, you know, I um, probably not in the school sense. I, I didn't probably take leadership roles at the school. Um, but certainly through my scouting experience, I was a patrol leader and all those sorts of things. So, um, and I was younger, but um, yeah, that, that's probably that's probably the leadership experience. Tell me, what would you find in your lunchbox on a, any given day when you're at school? Cheese sandwich and a muesli bar. And did you wait till lunchtime to eat it or did they uh, get polished off at recess? Oh, jeez, now you're testing me. Um, I think I'll have to pass on that one, I don't know. <laughs> Do you remember your first car? Yes, my first car was a, uh, a Hillman Hunter, 1971 Hillman Hunter, LFJ 298. <laughs> <laughs> and did it, uh, did it go all right, did it? It went well. And, and, and it went well until um, a fateful night driving up to Mount Borbor. It was a one-way trip. Oh, dear. Oh, yes. dear. But you obviously lived to tell the tale. I did, yes. If you had the choice, would you prefer to be in the 50-metre freestyle or the 100-metre sprint? 50-metre freestyle? So house swimming or house athletics? Ah. Um, probably the cross-country. Actually, oh, okay, yes, yes. Yeah. And did they do that out through the bush here on site? Yeah, yeah. It went up there, up Kalinda Road, down around the back streets. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I, I suspect it might still be the same course. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> if and when you have the opportunity, and uh, is there a travel destination that you've got on your list somewhere you would really love to go? I know you didn't want story, but I have lived overseas for two, two, two lots of overseas um, in England and did a lot of travel through, through Europe and, um, and, and the continent, which was, was absolutely fantastic. Um, but, uh, and also did Camp America in, um, when I finished university. So that was an awesome experience as well and travelled through America and Canada. But in terms of uh, the kind of bucket list, um, I'd really like to go to Easter Island and Alaska. Mm. So I know they're a bit sort of out there, but it just fascinates me, Easter Island. It just, I don't know. It, it, it may be just not as good as it sounds, but it just really sounds really interesting with such ancient history and, yeah, just would like to see it in person. Yeah, go and find it out for yourself. That's good. Mm. Now, this will test you. Was there is there a piece of work that you remember being very proud of? Maybe it's an English essay that the, the teacher handed back to you six times because you weren't quite getting it right or, or something in, in woodwork or metalwork that you really sanded down within, you know, there were no, no cracks or no, you know, no marks in it that shouldn't have been there, a piece of work that you're very proud of. Yeah, I do, rem I do remember one in particular. Um, it was a graphics piece. It was, um, I, I'm pretty sure it was either a year 11 or 12 piece. I'm, I'm not, can't exactly remember. Uh, and it was um, it was a diagram of how you construct a road, um, and so you had to do a whole lot of research, and then actually turn that research and words into a graphic portrait uh, portrait portrait of how to of whatever the topic was. And mine was how to build a road, so it was all about cross sections and 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 machinery and all those sorts of things. And, and I distinctly remember a big A two poster with cutting out various bits and overlays. Yeah, I remember that quite Beautiful. distinctly. And and by your own admission, and don't be humble here, 
you'd think you did a good job? Yeah, I think so. I'd like to say I remember the mark. I don't remember the mark, but uh, um, I usually did reasonably well in that subject, so it was probably okay. If you were having a dinner party at your place, what would you likely serve up? What's your go-to dish? Um, Well, I've been a vegetarian for um, quite some time, probably nearly 30 years. So um, it would be some sort of uh, either... Uh, vegetable protein or some sort of uh, bean or, or uh, mix. And we, we love tacos here. So bean tacos and uh, with, with salad and, uh, and a cheese and so on. So you might get tacos or enchiladas if you came to dinner. And uh, I don't expect to be on the list, but if you could invite five people, no, let's say three people from any time of history anywhere in the world, who would be three people you'd love to have over for dinner? Um, three people I'd have over for dinner. Wouldn't mind dinner with Richard Branson. That's would really... you serve him bean tacos? Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, he would. that would be really interesting. Um, probably... Um, Someone like uh, probably some sort of performer like, um, you know, Jim Morrison or, or um, the lead singer of The, of, uh, the Living End uh, or Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day, something like that would be, you know, well, that, would be, that would be kind of awesome too. So, yeah, that, that, that'd be a couple of people I'd in, invite. I like that. And, and, and even that mix of people would be a fascinating conversation in amongst each other as well. That's yeah, good. I like that. It would. Terrific. Now, luckily, wonder, most of them are still alive. Yes, <laughs> you could you could actually do that, couldn't you? <laughs> yeah, you could. <laughs> I, I wonder if um, if there is an, a, a, a routine or a rhythm or a habit that you stand by, something that you have, you know, you mentioned vegetarian for 30 years. Is there something that, that is part of your regular routine that helps you to be at your best? Um. Look, one of the things that really, uh, really, I guess, drives me is 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 that desire to to deliver a really good outcome and to to, to be your best at whatever that is. Um, so that is something that you know that's not perhaps that's not a tangible thing, but it is something that for me is really important. Um, that level of uh, integrity that we live by, doing the right thing. And doing things that sometimes are hard but are the right thing. And uh, I think that those sort of things are the most challenging. But uh, they, they would be some of the things that, um, you know, I live by. That, that being I've always wanted to be able to lie straight in bed at night and be able to look anyone in the eye and tell them what I've done and not done. Um, that honesty and integrity is a really important thing for me. Is there a, a book or a documentary or a movie that has informed you or shaped you or something that you might say is, is recommended viewing or a must-see or a must-read for people today? Um, look, this is probably a little bit left of centre, but um, there's a, a book, uh, the uh, autobiography, Blood, Sweat and uh, Blood, um, Mud, Sweat and Tears by um, Bear Grylls. Now, that, that may sound like a, an unusual thing, but um, it, it's a fabulous book. It's a fabulous read. He is such an interesting person. Uh, and to understand the ups and downs um, that he's had in his life and how he's done that. And in actual fact, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a saying, and I, I actually use it in my induction. And um, it goes like this. It says, our achievements are generally limited only by the beliefs we impose on ourselves. And, and for me, that just really resonates. And uh, mm. as I say, I use that in my induction uh, speech for my, for my new staff. I love it. I love it. I wonder if you can put aside modesty. What's working really well for you right now? Your 30-second brag. What's something that you're really proud of that you've been part of or that's growing or building for you in your life right now? Um. I'd have to say it, it is how I've probably how I've led this organisation over the last 
two years and 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 yeah I, it's not the sort of thing that I would generally trumpet um, uh, because I'm only one person it, you can't do it alone it, it, it's always a team effort um, but I'm really committed to to this job and to leading this organization through what has been an, you know an extraordinary thing um, and there's lots of other bits and bobs that the fire is not the only thing that you're dealing with at any one time, of course. So, um, yeah, I'd be. That's one of the things I'm really proud of. Really proud of 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 how I've how I've uh, led the organisation during this time, uh, the East Gippsland Shire, and also how my organisation has performed. If things continue to go well for you over the next three to five years what what's part of your life in three to five years time what are you doing where are you what have you been what have you seen yeah that's a look it's um i, I would certainly be like to doing the like to be still doing this job um I, I i do believe that there is a you know there's a point of time where change is good um but i would certainly like to have a, a few more years at uh, at doing this job i i think um I'm doing a good job. We've got a good organisation. We've got good people, and so um, I, you know, when I'm saying those things out loud, it all sounds a bit trite. But in actual fact, it, it, it is something that I really enjoy because uh, I can tell you now, if I didn't enjoy it, I wouldn't be here. So absolutely, you know. I, I think that's a good way to approach these big parts of or these big segments of our life, mm. and work being one of them for many of us. Yeah. That uh, if you can find something that you enjoy doing, that uh, you know you, you tie your shoelaces up in the morning and you look forward to getting down do. to work, uh, that's a, a really good place to be. Anthony, you've been really generous with your time. I've just got two more questions. Sure. Lavavi Oculus is our school motto. Do you recall what it means and what does it mean? Well, I, I, I recall what it means because I'm, I'm aware that it's. It, it, I've seen it in recent in recent material in terms of lift your eyes. Um, so f- for me, that is, you know, that is about actually thinking what can be done. I'm. A, it, it really suits me because I'm a really optimistic person. My wife says I'm too optimistic sometimes because <laughs> I the things I want to achieve. Um, but you know. Um, I've had this. I've heard this saying a few times, and people from people, and it really resonates with me. You know, while someone is saying something can't be done, someone else is doing it. Now I can't remember where I heard that, um, and so you know, my apologies to whoever the author is, but you know, it's so true. So no is not in my vocabulary, and I always say that to my kids. Uh, they're a bit older now, so they just roll their eyes. But um, um, I say, you know, don't start a sentence with no. Start a sentence with, yeah, I think I can do that or this is how we could do it. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think that lift your eyes is, a, is, is about um, getting, that, getting that mojo and actually getting into something and having the optimism to make it happen. Absolutely. I, I agree with you. I think it is intended to be something that's aspirational to get us to look beyond ourselves mm. and to see what's possible and look to the horizon and... Uh, and, and do what we can to make the most of the opportunities that present. And it seems to me that you are certainly uh, living and breathing that every day. My final question to you is a two-part question, and it's tricky and it's as complicated as you choose to make it to be, and that is this. Anthony Basford from the class of 1985, Yarra Old Grammarian, we are very proud of you, what is the one question that you wish I would have asked you? And then can you answer your own question? One of the things that, uh, you know, I, I thought you might ask about whether there'd been any challenges in the, you know, in the journey. Um, you know, there are challenges and there are challenges. Um, and one of the things, one of the challenges for me was um, I was diagnosed in, in my late 40s with prostate cancer. And so, you know, as a, as a young man, um, relatively young, um, that was quite a shock. And um, so that's been a, a bit of a journey as well in terms of, uh, you know, that collection of experiences again, mm-hmm. uh, coming back to that. So um, I'm all good now, um, but, uh, you know, I had to, had to go through um, surgery and, and treatment and so on. Um, 
but that is a you know that is quite a thing to um, to be told when you're 49 that uh, you know you've got uh, you've got prostate cancer. So um, for me, that was uh, a real personal challenge, and as a family, that was a challenge. But um, you know, we got over it, and, we, and uh, that was when I was in New South Wales, and um, and now we you know we've moved back to Victoria, and it's uh, uh, it's all good. So I think it demonstrates that again, you, you, we're all going to face hurdles. They're all going to be different for all of us, um, but you get over them. You get over them and you move on and you get into what you not want to do. I said prematurely that that was going to be my last question and uh, because what you've just shared with us launches into so many others and one of them was going to be, and I think you've already answered it, what have you learnt from that experience, that, that personal pain and the the, the trauma of, of that moment and, and for your family and but I also wonder whether you can give us a snapshot. You you mentioned quite some time ago that you didn't necessarily plan to be where you are now. And, and in fact, your journey to get there has included a whole range of experiences, some that have been good fortune, some have been good timing, others have been preparation for whatever it might, the door that might open. As you look back, I wonder, can you give us a, a two-minute snapshot? You You've... You've arrived at Yarra in year five. You've gone through to the end of year 12. You've done okay at year 12. Then where did you oh, go? You and then... you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was, I was reading your old handwritten reports. <laughs> <laughs> then what happened next? Just give us a quick summary of, oh, of where life has taken you. Um, so, yeah, went to, uh, went to university for four years. I did a Bachelor of Education, went to America, and then uh, lived in England for a few years. That was really interesting, actually, when I was in England because I, I was working in a school for children with social and emotional and behaviour problems. So we worked with these kids um, that were really uh, genuinely impoverished um, but were really acting out in the school environment. Um, and, uh, and let me tell you, um, poor behaviour in this country at the time was nothing compared to poor behaviour in the UK. And um, so it was quite an eye-opener. But, um, you know, that was an incredible experience. Came back to Australia, got married, um, went back to the UK for a couple of years, came back, been in local government for about 20-odd years. I've done, a, um, I've done a, a master's, lived in New South Wales, had a fantastic life, two beautiful children um, who are, you know, at the, in the, older, uh, at the older end of the spectrum now and, 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 a, and a fantastic wife and family life. So it's, you know, there's been, there's been lots of good things and, and uh, you know, along the way there's been a few little hiccups and we've worked through them and, and got there. Fantastic. Uh, I have said this on a couple of occasions or at least I've felt it. Maybe I haven't said it, but Anthony, you're the type of character that we could do part B to this conversation. Time tells us that we can't right now, but I would love to chat with you maybe even in 12 months' time, September in 2021, mm. that tells us, you know, how has your career continued to grow? How have you continued to learn? And how has your community continued to bounce back under your leadership? And, and I really appreciate the, the journey that you've taken us on. I feel that you've been wonderfully humble and generous with your time and your storytelling. So for that, we offer our thanks. Thank you for being inspired by Yarra, but most certainly being an inspiration to Yarra. So thank you. Thanks, Paul. Wow, what a guy. As I mentioned partway through that interview, even though I didn't get an invitation, Anthony Basford from the class of 1985 is definitely somebody who I could spend dinner with to continue to chew on life and explore his experiences, his wisdom, his leadership style and his care for people whom he works with and endeavours to leave, lead and those whom he serves as well. He's Gippsland, huh? Like months and months of bushfires. Years and years of devastation. Most recently, 250 homes. Millions of hectares damaged, devastated. After three and a half years of drought, the environment was cherry ripe for this disaster. And now 
they're about to hit flooding as well. The challenges go on, but it seems to me that with characters like Anthony at the helm, the people of Gippsland, the united front, the community that they are part and the little gatherings within the wider community are so critical. The same is true of our school community, the Yarra Valley Grammar community. There are communities within the wider community and I hope and trust that you feel a part of it and that the podcast helps you stay connected, gives you opportunity to feel part of the journey. Anthony, a leader, somebody who has collected many experiences, some great ones, some really challenging, and that, I think, helps to shape the character of the man. My name's Paul Joy, and on behalf of everyone here at Yarra, and particularly those who work hard to put these stories together and share them with you. I want to wish you another day of inspiration where you go out there with intentionality to make a positive impact in the world around 